0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies, I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and here we are on Anfield Index, looking ahead to what is going to be um, probably a bit of a damp squib of a last game of the season, depending on other results which are unlikely, um, it probably means the season's pretty much over for Liverpool and it's just, just going through the formalities this weekend but um could have been so different maybe, um, we beat Leicester 3-0 since we were last recording and then... Um, the referees kind of did for us again I think it was um, the game against Philly you can't blame it all on referees but I think we were talking just before we started Jay that um, we're not really getting the rub of the green in terms of actually getting referees that are worth having
3: No I don't think well we all know there's probably not a good referee out there and if there is then Liverpool aren't going to be assigned them by the uh, Howard Webb PGO MOL (laughs) organisation so yeah, Ed, the conspiracy of, you know, every referee is against us does tend to look actually quite true because, you know, Klopp was handed a, a suspended, well, he was charged, any for his, his actions against Tottenham. And lo and behold, the fourth official that day rocks up for the one game that Klopp has to stand for at Anfield and he uh, continued to have a mayor all game and, not only that, when Liverpool pool then asked the question of, you know, do we actually get answers for these sort decisions, then it's basically get on with it. We didn't see nothing wrong with that guy's business because if we did, then, you know, we're at a fault. So, yeah, Cody Gappo is okay to have his chest pounded in by Tyro Mings and for some bizarre reason. If you attempt to kick a ball without your actual foot, if you use the other part of your leg, then it's not a deliberate action, apparently. So, yeah. I don't think any rules in football is clear these days and with these referees to get even worse. So roll on what 6.30 Sunday when the season's over and we can all have a break from the awful officiating and, you know, at least rest our minds and have a bit of peace and quiet in the next two months and not have to sit about which awful referee we're going to get in the middle of the park until August comes round.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's stuff we clap. I mean, I, i made the mistake of reading the written reasons from the FA, which um, it's a so-called independent panel or independent commission that looks at the charges and decides what to do. Um, and this was basically... Klopp was in trouble for what he said after the game because it was assumed that he was trying to say that that the uh, referee from Greater Manchester was biased against Liverpool because of what he'd done in the past and so on and so forth. And I mean, I was reading the written reasons and in one thing it says... Um, in November 22, an appeal in which two members of the... On an on an appeal in which two members of the present commission sat, Mr Klopp received a touchline ban. So so this so-called independent commission, which has got four people sitting on it, uh, sorry, three people sitting on it, two of them were there last time Klopp got into trouble for saying something. And to me, again, it's that same kind of thing. Again, Why are the same two people then coming back on against Klopp? Because if they've got something against him, they're gonna just, you know, they're gonna still have it against him in some reason. You know, they're sort of they in my in my view, and they could be great people and I could be doing them a disservice, but the impression you can easily get from it is that they could be coming into this with preconceived ideas. And when you read the written reasons, a lot of it I mean, it's not even that Klopp actually said anything that bad. It was more that he said things, he said he said he didn't like what Taney had said to him. Taney had said, um, in Klopp's understanding of it that it, it it can't it, it could have been a red but he's told me to give you a yellow and clock thought you meant the fourth official um and clock was like well, you know why, why are you saying it's a red then if they're saying it's a yellow why don't i'm not really keen on you saying that you're sort of saying to me um i wanted to give you a red but I can't because of these which feels you know that felt wrong but the way sort of the the, the whole thing unfolded in the press conference was was people asking for clarity and from the journalists asking for clarity from him. Um, it kind of twisted what, what he'd really said, but you just read the rest of the written reasons and they go on and on and on. Um, it, it, the, the, you know, the PJMOL were really quick to sort of jump to turn his defence without even actually working out what Klopp had said or meant. And it just... Uh, it's just inevitable, you know. They, they cannot be questioned. There cannot be any questions against them. And next thing you know, Klopp's got a big charge. And as you say, uh, too much ban. One of them, co- coincidentally, for this game, with that guy right in front of him, who sort of caused the problem. Um, and still, remember on the last podcast, we were told that we were going to get sort of um, get to hear the the feed between the the VAR room and the and the match official on the night. And we didn't get it, did we? I don't hear, I don't remember hearing anything in that Leicester game. And still we're not getting explanations for things. And this time, you know, and managers are thrown right in front of the press straight after a game. They've got to go in front of the cameras to do the TV stuff, straight into a press conference to do the written and other media. And, you know, no time to calm down, no time to sort of take stock. Um, a bit like when we do, um, on here, when we do the raw podcast you know there's probably some stuff we say that we wouldn't say if you'd asked us the next day you know and clock's has been thrown straight into that and yet the referees never have to explain it and still um you know all these days later liverpool have asked for an explanation we've still not heard back and that's what it's as if you know i can imagine if there is any response it's going to be how dare you ask us it's just this arrogance from arrogant attitude from the referees and you know, the Premier League is sitting by letting it happen. You know, if they like their product, unless they think it needs to be sold with all this controversy, then, you know, maybe they need to start putting the foot down and doing something about these referees. If that's what they want, then put it on Netflix.
3: Yeah. You know, you you'll get millions of viewers and subscribers or whatever and if that's the if that's the game they're up to, where do you want know, do they want controversy or certain teams deal with this controversy because again without being a conspiracy theorist, like decisions go for other clubs that you know if if you if you ask an everton fan they'll say the, the big six or the greedy six get everton you know if you <laughs> if, if you ask you know a, a a tottenham fan they'll say well arsenal get every decision you know but the reality is like you look at man city well, let's, let's let's not be of the bush here, they, they get a hell of a lot of rubs to the green, you know, like let's just take for example, we, we referred to it, I think, on a previous podcast was the Erling Haaland high boot. Because what, well, you know, the topic of high feet is, is relevant at the moment. And when compared to Diogo Jota, that that was Jota was reckless and out of control because he won the ball and his foot was high enough when Skip's head was low enough to to make contact. But when it was Haaland and Anderson, you know, Anderson was putting his head into a and Eddie, you know, he was running the risk of getting hurt. You know, fast forward to, to Saturday on, and Tyrone Mings went in chest high while Cody Gappell was in the air with his foot and leaves him with absolute <laughs> awful injuries down the front of his chest, you know, which were, were visible in there to so see. I, if, if that is not, you know, dangerous play, then I don't know what is, because the referee very... Really, you know, once Cody's had his treatments and if the VAR official or whatever has deemed that it wasn't dangerous play or whatever, just took one look at Gapbo's chest and I don't know what you've seen on the camera, but looking at this fella's chest here, he's got three massive stud marks, like, you know, basically split the skin right open. I've I've now reassessed him for That was well out of control and reckless and dangerous. Off you go. And, you know, then who knows how how the result would have played out. But, it just it does just seem like you you'll see a decision this weekend coming and we say it all the time when we record like there'll be a decision that is very similar to something last week that was a red card or wasn't a red card and it'll be the absolute opposite and all you're asking for is a consistent basis and you know there's no there's no one held accountable as you've said. Like, you know, these referees are are hiding behind you know the board or Howard Webb and and his team, and they don't have any accountability. And if the naughty, like you know, the, the linesman, he gets slapped on the wrist and stood down for a week or two. But well, I'm sure he probably still got paid. I'm sure his wages still went in the bank. And lo and behold, given a week or two later, where you know he's had a week or two off, probably even you know got away for the weekend or something like that, he's back running the line again, and there's no consequences. You know what? Like, if you look at the grand scheme of things, Liverpool could miss out on the Champions League, which is costing the club millions because of, you know, the consequences of a referee who couldn't do his job properly or a VAR official. And then you look at the other end of the table, there's teams that could potentially be going down based on a referee's decision to award. I don't know, I don't know, like, what's going on down there at the moment because there's that many teams, but, you know, Leads could go down based on a decision that went against them. That wasn't, you know, an offside or or, or a red card or something like that. I can't think of anything that comes to mind. Have sort of blanked out all football in recent times. But this is what's going to happen, and that could then cost a certain club millions and millions of pounds. You know, and then then what do they do? Like the referee, oh, you you were out add a line. They will see it in two weeks' time. Where this this club could then be. Effective for years and years to come. We, we've seen it with so many teams. Once you go down, it can take a long, long time to come back up because even though the parachute payments are there, if you've got used to that juicy, healthy Premier League money and it's taken away from you, you know, a badly run club will then just slide down and probably never, ever recover. But yeah, there, there's no accountability. That That's all you're after is consistency and accountability. And it seems like we're asking for a lot, but actually we're not. Um it's a shame that we can't ever get it.
0: Yeah. I mean yeah. So the referees who do a bad probably get a weekend away in the secret PGMOL sort of mansion where, you know, for, for referees to hide for a weekend, um, uh, you know, take your family free drinks and all that lot in the mini bar or wherever. Um, you know, as, as your punishment for having to, um, you know, for having made it so obvious how bad you are rather than, you know, being able to hide it a little bit. Another thing that jumped out at me on, on the Britain reasons as well was, I don't know if you remember just after we played West Ham, um, Moisey you know being Moisey as he is was fuming about the, the referees and we laughed to him and I suppose it kind of makes us but in a way we're laughing at ourselves being so angry about referees but he, he was just saying you know would that have been given around field? would that have been given around field? you know and that in in a sense to me I wouldn't have wanted him charging being charged because I'm sick of people being charged for saying speaking the mind but if you've been sort of um, consistent then you think well why wasn't he charged but in these written reasons, the FA sort of submission to the panel was that, uh, Klopp's comments, well, went well beyond comments that are, uh, suggestive of bias relative to decisions in a particular match, which are often made with regard to factors such as the size of the club and or particular ground. So in other words, what they were saying was, um, almost as if to say, that's all right. You're all okay to say about bias because it's a big club or it's at that ground, you know, almost as if they'd sort of, Sort of saying to themselves. Oh, hang on a minute. We can't do this to him after what, after letting Moyes get away with that stuff about them. So we'll throw this in here and say, you know, make out that that's something different, but it shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't matter. You could, you could argue a referee sort of being biased because, you know, he hates the big clubs, you know, and wants to let the small clubs win. So if you're saying a referee's biased, you're saying he's biased. If you're not allowed to do that, you're not allowed to do that. And you should be getting in trouble for it just the same. And just even there, you know, once again, um, the officials just showing their their inconsistencies. I also think what you were just saying then has just given me an idea. Actually, can you imagine like a Netflix thing where all through the season they film stuff behind the scenes, they get access to the VAR and all the audio feeds and everything, but nothing gets released till the end of the season. End of the season, six part Netflix special, um, just going through all this all the whole season, and we get to see the truth about what went on behind the scenes with the referees and stuff. I, you know, that that could be good. Um, make the Premier League a bit more money, maybe.
3: It's almost as like have you ever seen like those people in the UK, and the Saturday Night Takeaway, where like you know, they're behind the camera and the old like the button on the mic and they go, Go on, give the wrong decision now. Go on. Send them off. Go on. Make them lines dodgy. It's it's almost as sometimes as if like there's a there's a motive behind what they're doing and there's someone there like doing it for laughs. And yeah, like it would be it would be interesting if 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 your decision there if your uh, idea there came to light because well, one it'd probably highlight the incompetency of the referees, but then it might also highlight the reasons to why did they, they're doing what they're doing, as you say you said like earlier on, like we were meant to hear the VAR audio. I don't know whether we were meant to hear if the if it was referred to VAR, the source of conversation that happened or whether you know there was, you know the four process that the VAR officials were were going through because sometimes you'll you'll see a case in the Aston Villa game Henderson um, was challenging the box and you've seen them given it would be the best way to describe it. Um You know as a Liverpool fan we all scream for the penalty if it was you know against us you'd be like nah no way that's soft. But it, it come under the context of you've seen them given. So the game continued and like obviously the, the 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 idiots in charge in the middle was like sort of signaling yeah, there's a check check going on in the background. But it would be nice if even if you got to, you know, half time or full time and you're like, let's hear the let's hear the audio from that, let's see what they did yeah. like right away. Like, you know, before the managers come out and and have to face the music, like let's hear what the referees did in that time because you know they've probably had 20 25 minutes and that's gone on like if they've said an, an inappropriate which you'd like to think you know they're a professional body they probably wouldn't but it could be edited out if they had to. but let's let's say the decision is to so why they came to that conclusion because that's probably then going to lead to to more answers than the amount of questions that we've got right? like <laughs> it could have been a penalty I can't remember what the score was at the time. Um, but, you know, grand scheme of things, it could have changed the game. It could have went to a, a winning result. And then, you know, you push it, you're further down the line and we're looking at the big picture of would we have made Champions League? Well, we would have been two points better off than what we are now. And if results had been nasty weird in terms of Leicester getting a draw with Newcastle on Monday, you know, some people would say, Leicester drew in Newcastle Because Leicester, because Newcastle only needed a point And we sort of took the foot off the gas mm-hmm. But I didn't see the game personally Maybe Leicester were good enough And earned the points
2: Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch And those must-have fan threads Well, over at our Anfield Index shop We've gone that extra mile When it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
3: And then it goes to the last game of the season and Newcastle have to go to Chelsea and have to win if we go to Southampton and win. You know, there's a bit of jeopardy there where right now, you know, it would take a extreme set of circumstances for us to somehow end up in the Champions League. It's mathematically still possible, but it's a very, very, very slim chance. Who knows if you know, if if Mings is sent off for the Gapo challenge, if the penalty is given, if the offside goal is given. You know, there's there's three three huge question marks that come out of that game there, and as you say, there's no answers. And if there is, it's how dare you ask us for answers because we're the referees and, you know, what we say go and how dare you question us. It's 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 it's, it's an ongoing saga. It's like I kinda sick of talking about it, which is yeah is is, is annoying because that's that's what we shouldn't be watching football for, as we've said before. It's you know a couple of hours of your week or you know of your day that you're meant to get away from reality and all the all the crap that's going on and, and sat here with questions buzzing around just as to why things are happening. But you watch football and end up coming away more frustrated than you know the relief of actually watching it more times often than not.
0: Yeah, and I mean the the thing is VAR as well. It was just it was brought in because everyone was sick of these dodgy decisions being made you know where i mean we got goal line technology because we'd seen situations where the ball had or hadn't crossed the line and and linesmen were having to guess because the chances are they were still weren't we playing couldn't see along the goal line and the ref might have been had his view blocked so we got they got the watch and if it crosses the line they know that's a nice bit of tech var was supposed to be another step on that you know give us some some more clarity on what's going on. And I think if, if the referees just started explaining what the decisions were, you know, get the microphone numbers, as we said last time, explain why they've made a decision. Um, you know, it, it calms things down. I mean, there's, there's time and again, you see, you see managers fuming on the touchline, but we've worked out from, if you're watching on TV, you can see that there's, there's a reason why a decisions decision been made. And sometimes it's fair enough, you know, and if, if someone would just actually go and tell the managers that, then maybe they'd, uh, accepts it but still we're talking about referees again and we shouldn't be um we should be talking about these players i mean yeah i mean it's not just teams going down as well by the way that that can have an issue i think if you miss out on the league or you miss out on champions league qualification or european qualification you know it could be that that season you pushed yourself to get it and if you'd have got it that season then your, your signings in the summer will reflect the fact that you've done that and you know it can have a long effect all this sort of stuff but um You know, maybe there's another argument to that, which is, you know, we know referees are bad. We know that things go on in football. We know that no matter what what we do, there's always a chance of a setback and it's how we react to it. And um although we didn't get the win, I think from what I saw, and I didn't see the game live to be fair, um, stag do, um from what from what I saw, we reacted well. Um, you know, we kept on fighting in the end and we got the point, which wasn't enough. Um so at least we sort of weren't completely heads down about it.
3: Yeah, it's, it's it's one of them. I think maybe it was one game too far for us. Mm-hmm. Um, we were we'll, we'll on an eight game winning streak, something like that. Um, and I, I honestly thought we'd win the season out, and you know there, there was no reason why why we wouldn't, given the form we were in. Um, but yeah, it 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 just seemed like it was a barrier too far, and maybe maybe the authorities conspired against us and thought, no, maybe we don't want Liverpool in the Champions League because maybe, you know, maybe they had a chance of signing Jude Bellingham if they actually did get him, and mm. you know, we did, we don't want Liverpool having Jude Bellingham because you know he he's, he's England's next generational talent, and maybe he'd be better off if he ended up at Man City in three or four years' time, and um, you know, just just putting it out there or whatever, but you know. Bellingham might choose to stay in Germany because, looking at things the way they are, he, he's a, a win away from winning the league for the first time in I think eleven years or something like that, or since Jurgen Klopp was there. Maybe that yeah. Dortmund last won the league. Um, but yeah, it, it 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 does have a have an effect, and oh, we, we, that's the one thing we've got now after the after Sunday. We've got silly season <laughs> coming up mm-hmm. on us, haven't we? Um, and who knows where we go from there? We can we can delve into. The comings and goings as we continue, but uh, I, I just I'm just a bit fed up with football at the moment, and I, that's the effect of the season. I think, yeah. you know, all the all Liverpool fans will probably look at it now and just say, like, can we just wrap this this weekend up? And you know, if if results go our way, it would mean like you know a huge huge slice of luck. But I think if we're all genuinely honest, we're probably going to put the telly on on Sunday and have our eyes on on the bottom four rather than the top four because <laughs> yeah. that looks mu- much more of a tastier affair, especially where, where we're concerned because there's a little-known a little, a little known club across the park who have got themselves in the spot above, but it looks like they might have probably just done enough to escape that.
0: Yeah, I mean, for Liverpool to win the Champions League, we're, we're relying on Chelsea um, to slip up. And, you <laughs> and know, Frank. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and. Sorry, relying on them to not slip up, I should say, um, to, to, to cause a slip up for the Manx. And, um, it's just not going to happen, is it? It's just, it's just not going to happen. Um, if, I mean, as the table stands, we're, we're three behind the Manx. They played a game less. So they, they only need one point from those two games and we cannot get into Europe um if if they lose both and we win then we're definitely in Europe in in the Champions League sorry um because our goal difference is so good partly because we kind of beat them 7-0 and made the goal difference for them a lot worse than you know made a lot better and theirs a lot worse but um i just can't see them losing both games it's just somehow they're going to get the point um the only hope is maybe that they they go out trying to just get a point and um and lose as a result but i just i just can't see it as bad as they've been they're not being as much you know they're not as full of blunders as they were when ollie was at the wheel um that you know they're going to scrape through and in a way i don't mind europa league if that's what we end up with because um i didn't realize it's the finals in dublin isn't it so yeah you know let's go all the way in that you know let's let's I mean, it's not going to be easy. It's not a walkover. As much as people like do the competition down, there's still some decent sides in there. Us, hopefully, for instance, will be classed as a decent side in there. But you get all the way through. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a Liverpool final, European final in Dublin. Um, no chance of getting a ticket, probably, but I, it would be it would be some, some spectacle. Carnage, yeah. um, like yeah, I think, is what it would be.
3: Yeah, I mean, look at this season. It's Roma Sevilla. Um, in the, in the final, you know, in the semi-finals were Juventus and Bayer Leverkusen going out, Jabby Alonso's revitalised uh, Bayer Leverkusen and, you know, the, there's other big teams that have been in that competition that have fell at the wayside earlier on but, you know, Jose Mourinho for all he's, you know, knocked in his latter stage of his career, probably since his early Chelsea days, you know, he puts a huge emphasis on getting trophies, that's what a lot of yeah. clubs will hire him for and he done it last season he took Roma to the the conference league final and won it um, you know completing the set because you know it was the first year of the competition it just so happened that he's all he's won other trophies as well in Europe but you know he, he's done it again this season and you know I'm not a keen watcher of, of much continental football but you know that that's nothing to be to be knocked upon that he's took a team to two European finals albeit you know, the, the standard of the competition isn't the Champions League. He still, he still got there and done it. And I think, you know, if you if you put us into the, the picture and said, right, you're playing Sevilla, who we did play in Klopp's first year in the Europa League final and lost, you know, like you would see that maybe as some sort of, you know, revenge mission in quotation marks. Or if you were to say, you know, it's Liverpool versus Roma, then, you know, the history and the nostalgia that's there, like between the two clubs, then, you know, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be shy in saying that was a, a huge tie in a, fa- a final that would whet the appetite. And, you know, throw in other clubs, like, like I mentioned, Juventus. and Okay, they're going through a bit of turmoil off the field, but they're still a huge name worldwide. And even Bayer Leverkusen, one of the probably top three clubs in Germany behind Dortmund and Munich, because Leipzig are only just really up and coming sort of thing. But if it was a final... And it was Bayer Leverkusen, your position, and Jabri Alonso manager. There's a lot of narrative, a lot of story there. There's, you know, there's history between the two clubs. I do remember games back in the UEFA Cup and Champions League against Bayer Leverkusen years gone by. So, you know, you wouldn't be uh, afraid to to get yourself all excited. And if if that's the case next season, that we we happen to face one of these clubs, if we we're, if we're successful and get that far in the competition, then you know, Dublin would be a wash with a Sea of Red because the Irish Reds would scoop up every ticket available and there'd be an invasion across the Irish Sea of, of Scouts', you know, I've been to
1: to Madrid and I've been to uh... Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. before every Premier League match week, and then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye.
3: I was not Paris last year. I was fortunate to get a ticket for one of them, but for the other one, you just go along for the ride. You get washed up in the atmosphere and... You go for the adventure. If it's literally a hop across the the water to Dublin, then you know, God knows how many people that actually made that journey because it's it's so accessible for us. So I, I'm I'm all on board if we do get involved and in it'd like to see us, you know, go the whole way. Yeah. And if it's if it's a trophy at the end of the day and you, you throw one or two more in along the way next season, then you know, it'd still be classed as a successful year. So yeah, if that's what it is, let's go for it.
0: Yeah, and I mean it's been like um it's been it's been fun to to be in the Champions League. It's been amazing, but you know, every so often just like slumming it a little bit, you know. It's not really slumming it. There's still a lot of history in that competition. I mean, um one of the best nights in LFC history was in that competition. The uh was it five four the golden goal I think um Alibes. you know that that all comes back to mind um and as as you say as well, the other thing about getting out there and partying for the finals i mean I went to to Kiev, which wasn't that long ago, um keep getting things cut up on my phone, you know, like when you get memories set up on your phone with your old photos um and I didn't have a ticket going over as a lot of others did, didn't, I got mine on the plane in the end on the way over but um you just want to be there, you just want to be part of it and there'll, there'll be somewhere you can see the game or be with other Reds and you know and, and go through whatever you're going to go through, maybe not in the ground but still together, Um add that to Dublin my god the crack's going to be brilliant so um obviously between now and then we've got a bit of work to do, we've got a We've got to get there, and we've got to get there with hopefully some new players. Because, um, as well as as well as seeing um, dodgy referee and seeing the probable end of the Champions League run on the week at the weekend, we also saw the last appearances or the last sort of even walking around the pitches, if you like, of a few of the names that we've we've been speaking about for the last few years as Liverpool fans. Um, not least, I mean, the, the most notable one to be departing. Uh, of course, is is Bobby Firmino. I mean, when I say I didn't see the game live and I've seen lots of clips on that, the main clip I've seen is Bobby crying, uh, which, you know, it's not easy to see, but it was the right time, really, I think, for everyone that he gets to go now. As hard as it is to say goodbye, it was probably the right time. Go on a high.
3: Yeah, I think if we're we're honest whole things, we've, we've probably let too many players walk away over the years for free. In terms of you know our policy, which we spoke about, you know the sell to buy sort of thing, but I think you know so, some players earn the right to to walk away and and hold their head up high. Like, you know it would feel I, I don't know a little bit dirty maybe if you said like you know give us five or six million for Bobby, like you'd be like yeah. he's not worth that. Like let let him just see his contract out, let him walk away on his own terms. Like he is. Repay his transfer fee and wages ten times over in, in what he's given us in memories. I think everybody has got their own favourite Bobby moment, their, their own favourite goal. Like you know, he, he, he epitomises the Jagan Klopp era. Then it's it's sad that it's sort of the end of that era in in some respects of you know the front free of you know Firmino, Salah, and Mane that took us to to the glory heights. But he. He deserved that, and I think he, even if he could have got on the pitch and assessed the crutches on Saturday, then he, he would have got on there and at least, you know, <laughs> being out there just to, to say thanks to the people that have loved him for so long. And you know, I I unfortunately couldn't go to the game because of a, a family situation that I had to attend to. But I was gutted to give me ticket away, but I gave it to someone who was just, was absolutely over the moon to so the fact that they could go and and, and see Bobby for one last time in a red shirt and you know, I have been there when Kadiger when went and when Gerard went and when Sammy Apia went and the the emotional times because the the legends of the club who you, you hold on such high esteem and a legend is a word that's that's easily banded about these days. You know, there's players who who earn legendary status for not doing a lot but Bobby Firmino genuinely was a a legend in what in what he'd done for us. Like there's there's so many things you could literally do podcasts for hours about his Liverpool career. And wherever he goes next, I'm sure he'd be loved and I'm sure he'll give whatever fan base pleasure and memories like he's given us. But I don't think he'll have the adulation and the love that he's probably got from, from Liverpool fans. And I think also it was fitting that, you know, a couple of days just before the final game that the that mural went up and ironically it's on the side of an Evertonian house if ah. you've seen anything on social media it's a little Evertonian sticker in the window which I'm sure they probably have to ask can we can we paint this on the side of your house but I'm the sure they probably didn't care when they just done Bobby's one but it was nice that you know the, the murals that are around the Anfield area that Bobby got one and then you know he, he went there on Sunday and met some like local fans I know a couple of people I know went there and got pictures with the kids with Bobby and he signed the war and it was just a nice way for him to go and, you know, the emotions ran high and it was written really that, OK, we didn't get the result we wanted but Bobby come off the bench and he gave us that goal and if you took one thing from Saturday amongst all the other crap that went on, it was Bobby Firmino doing what Bobby Firmino does which was three foot in the air somehow off his heel or whatever, You know, his feet were higher than his head. bundled the ball into the goal and give us an opportunity, give us hope, give us chance of maybe getting some of the game and and that's what he was. He's done, he's done the unthinkable and he's always given us hope and opportunity and more often than not, it's turned into success. So he will be missed. And yeah, there's there's a couple of lads who didn't even manage to get a kit on, but they got to walk around as well. And yeah, you know, they'll go on to to have other. Other things in the career, but yeah, I think he—he's the one that's probably going to be sorely missed the most.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I've read that Naby's not been been in training or anything, so it sounds like he's pretty much already gone. And um, I don't know if they actually officially said Milner's leaving yet. I don't know, but he's quite obviously is. Ox isn't going to be around, um, official or not. The, we we know these players are going, but um, just to kind of. I I, I saw a thing today that it's actually however many years to the day that we're recording this that Liverpool had that amazing end of the season game away to Stoke Stephen Gerrard's last game when we got beaten 6-1 and as low and the down and deflated as we might feel this season has been in some ways that, you know, um, for all that we've complained about referees, we've been our own biggest problem really this season on, a, on and off over and over again. We've, we've caused ourselves the problems for whatever reason. Um, we just had such a bad spell over, oh, so many bad, too many bad spells, too many bad games. But like the lineup that day, um, like Emre Chan at right back and, um, Joe Allen playing, playing on the left side of midfield and um I mean, Sacco was still a player Skrtel was still a player um, and obviously it was Jarrah's last game Phil Coutinho was still playing Lallana was still you know a player we had a lot of hope for um Lucas in the in the middle of midfield coming back after being injured Hendo on the right this this side though it feels almost unrecognizable now that that era is well behind us um you know, those those players apart from Hendo, I think. I don't think any of them are still at the club. Um looking through now, no, none of them are still at the club other than Hendo. Um you know, those those days are gone. And it's fair to say that as bad as this season's been, and it's one of the worst we've had under Klopp, certainly come out of it empty handed with trophies, it's it's been a massive change having Klopp as manager. He's been the right manager for this club and I know there's been doubts this season about whether he's the right manager, but I don't think it's him that's necessarily the change that we need. And um, it's more to do with with who buys the players, isn't it? You know, who spends the money that we get given, which is another argument, whether we're given enough money and whether the people with the checkbook are, uh, are letting it be used enough. But once they've actually allowed the checkbook to be open, it's the person who's finding the players that that will suit Klopp's team. And um, there's news this week, isn't there, that maybe we found someone, but it's kind of maybe not the long-term answer we were hoping for.
3: Yeah, it depend on... On what you read, I'm not going to butcher a second name, we'll just call him Jörg, because <laughs> I, I don't know why you say his second name. is could be anything, it's German, and I don't want to offend any German listeners or people who speak fluent German, so we'll just call him Big Jörg. Um But by all accounts, the report is saying it's a three-month contract, which you know if he's to come in in June, it basically takes him to the end of August, so it's, is this guy coming in? just for the transfer window and if that's the case then it, it does raise a lot of questions in terms of well normally an organised successful club which is what we've been in recent times especially under Jürgen was a club that got its business done quietly effectively and got it done early. Um, Okay there's you know there, there's reports that were we're involved in in negotiations for players, or were well in advanced talks to sign a couple of players, namely, you know, Mason Mount and Alexis McAllister and so be it. But a, a club would have the summer targets lined up and probably be well down the road in terms of negotiations for for getting them involved and getting them on the move. But it, it, if if he's coming in in you know, let's just be nice and say the first of June in the weeks or so's time and he's easier to, to oversee the summer transfer market. Well, you know, he's, he's got enough time to get his feet under the table, assess, you know, I'm sure there's a huge database of players who who the club have identified through the scouting and said like, right, well, this is who we're after or is he coming in as, you know, the heavy-handed negotiator and he's going to just walk into the room and if reports reporter be to believe, like, you know, Chelsea have said, right, we want £70 for Mason Mount, he's just going to walk in and go, right, it's £40 million slammers. His big hand on the table and say that's the price, yeah. and he's going to walk out with Mason Mount in a headlock. <laughs> I don't know. Um, maybe that's what he's here for, or maybe he's here for. You know, you, you reference the fact that a lot of the players are gone, and Henderson was the lone survivor from that that game against Stoke City. We've we've seen enough this season to know that sometimes it's it's better to just move players on, and there's players there that aren't able to do what they used to do in recent years or maybe there's players who aren't good enough and maybe this guy has come in as the big bad cop and he's just going to clean house and basically say like look it's time for you to go son mm. like, Jürgen hasn't got the, the mineral because he's such an emotionally attached seller which is a, as we've said his loyalty is his biggest strength and his biggest weakness that he, he can't look a player in the eye and just say like I'm sorry it's time for you to go That he's been going the big bad guy in, and he's just going to say, like, off you go. Like, it's time for you to move. And if he's here to clean house, and we go into next season with a clean slate, and you know, maybe you'd, you'd approach it that way. Right. We're just all in for the league and the Europa League as much as we've just talked it up. Might be one that you know you just play your, your youngsters in, and you just give them the opportunity to see if they're good enough, and you just go all out for the for the Premier League, and you might not need as much of a a bulked out squad, who knows what the what the strategy is, but a three month contract and we don't really know what comes after that, whether it's another guy or whether it's him. It it, it's a bit of a bit of a strange one. But, you know, you suppose we've we've just got to go with it because we're not in charge of the people who make the decisions because as you said earlier on, we we don't control the pair strings of the club and, you know, maybe that's a decision that's been made hired upon, and it, it, it's maybe taking some of the responsibility away from Klopp that he's got to, you know, be the one that fires the bullets, maybe he's just passed it to to his mate to do the dirty work, and if that's the case, then then, then that's what it is.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, that's a good point, to be honest with you, we always focus on director of football being the player, uh, being the person who's going to go out there and, and find the players, and buy the plays and get the contracts done, and, you know, get these things across the line, and, I mean, personally, I would hope that most of our recruitment is kind of, is done with just a few, uh, I's to dot and a few T's to cross or whatever, but mostly, mostly kind of done. And it's just a case of, you know, getting it all through. Um, you'd hope most of the talks have been done, whatever they say about having to have permission from a club to talk to a player. You don't, you know, agents talk to you, don't they? And you, I just hope that most of it's kind of more or less done, but the the getting rid of players, that's, that's a key thing. And, um, it, you know, whether it's getting rid of someone who's costing a fortune in wages and not really bringing enough back for what they're doing, uh, for what they, what they're taking out in terms of wages, or whether it's someone who can bring you some money, um, not necessarily this summer, but long term even. You know, we've had people at the club who've managed to get us an absolute fortune for Fernando Torres just before he got injured, um, you know, just at the point where he, he was never going to be the same player. Uh, Coutinho, we've made an absolute fortune on him. We've just mentioned him. Um, you know, we definitely did well out with that deal. You know, it's having people who've got the contacts that can, you know, re- recognise a player's got some value. Um and maybe sometimes that it's worth the the money is worth he's worth more to you than than what he's doing. You know, you can do more with with him. Um, you know, and he's selling the right players. Obviously, you're not gonna you get a lot of money for Mo Salah, but you'd be stupid to sell him. Um, you know, unless you, unless let's hope that doesn't happen for a long time. Um this, this is a key thing. We've got to have the people who can, who can identify the plays that need to go. And then as you say, execute it. I think you're right. I don't think Klopp is the kind of person that can go to your, to Hendo and say, uh, you know, sorry, lad, you know, um, love all the stuff that you do with the other captains and all this other stuff you do off the field. And I've loved the stuff that you've done for most of my time here. But to be honest, your time's up now and, um, you're not going to get any games. And we what we're paying you. I think it's time he found somewhere else, you know. I'll you know, I'll help you find somewhere else. I just can't see I just can't see Klopp doing that. It's just not the way he's he's wired. So but he shouldn't have to, you know. That's what a director of football can do. A director of football can identify that and take the blame, take the heat. You know, Hendo can go away from here thinking, I hate that guy. He got rid of me. You know, Klopp didn't want me to go, but he got rid of me. That's fine, go and think that. But meanwhile we bring someone else in. Um and I think as we were talking last time, Got to bring something, haven't we? This summer, we, you know, we, we, we definitely shot up and down, up and down the pitch. But um, we talked about Curtis Jones as well a bit recently. I mean, he he's been continuing to perform well, but not quite well enough to get in the England squad because the England squad was released today on the day we're recording. We had a look, didn't we, before we came on air. Two Liverpool players in it. Hendo, we've just mentioned. Trent, belie- unbelievably, he's back in the squad. Um, but no place for Jones. Maybe not a surprise. But um, is that because he's already got his eye on... Um, you know, he's thinking, I've already got two Liverpool midfielders in my squad. You know, is he thinking Trent's a midfielder? Is Gareth Southgate going to be brave or is Gareth Southgate going to be a typical English coach?
3: Gareth Southgate will be... Uh but he always is and very, very safe first and very pragmatic. And I think reading through the squad, it's Trenton, Kyle Walker, are the nominal right backs. But Kyle Walker won't be available for the first game, which is against Malta, because you know they they're, they're involved in some European game um, and City. But you can probably rest assured that when North Macedonia comes around a few days later, Kyle Walker will probably be a right back again. No matter what Trent does, um, I can't see Gareth Southgate having the tactical bravery to, to put Trent in a position which he's excelled in the season. Like up until you know two thirds of the season gone, you will probably say he was having probably his worst season in terms of performances. But when he was moved up the field and moved into that position of more freedom, when when we knew he operated there, but he was actually given you know the license as you say to to go into that part of the field and and be allowed to play and that was a more of a starting position more than a position that he went into as as the game sort of progressed um you know you, you there's numbers of of shot off the scale sort in terms of his creativity and I just don't think that's Gareth Southgate at all. I think he he literally, he buckles to the pressure of some things. And if you look through the squad, you know, like the likes of Calvin Phillips, who has probably had more appearances than nobody else, uh, no non-appearances than anybody else. Because, you know, Man City weren't willing to use him. He took him from Leeds. I think he's probably got a handful of starts across the whole season. They had the the league wrapped up. And he'll probably see out the season. and might have a game or two that's decent. And people are like, ah, that's Calvin Phillips. You know, like that was the guy that, yeah, you know, that Leeds relied on so much. But but he's in the squad. Um, and then you got like you got players like Morgan Gibbs White, who's you know him and Tyra one year probably single handedly dragged Nottingham Forest to safety. And he's an up and coming young English talent. But let's not let's not go too far. You know, we, we we'll bring in the odd player, but let's not go too far because. I've got to rely on, you know, players that have, that have relied on for years and years and years. And, you know, damn well, as I said, like the midfield will be Bellingham, Henderson, and Rice more than likely. He might throw in Conor Gallagher because he seems to be one of his favourites, even though he barely gets a look in at Chelsea. Um, but when certain players are back available, you know, Trent will be sat back on the bench. You know, if Gibbs White does make the squad at any time, he probably makes the bench. We've seen, um, you know the defensive duo with Harry Maguire and Tyrone Mings. You know, so so such a bad team in terms of quality. Harry Maguire can't even get in the United team barely enough, but he'll be starting for England in a couple of weeks. And that that is why you know a lot of people wonder why a lot of scousers, a lot of Liverpool fans don't support England. It's because there's no meritocracy there. It's literally. If you play for certain clubs, the chances are you'll be called up for England. If you don't even actually perform or get on the pitch for your club, you will still be called up for England because they've got themselves a guy now who buys into their philosophy. of yeah, He's a yes man. If They they will see a player performing like Gibbs White at Nottingham Forest. But it doesn't matter because Carlton Fiddle plays in Man City. So let's take him instead. If you, you've got players who are performing up and down the league of at, at various clubs, but if you're Harry Maguire, you're in the squad. Like it, it it it's just one of them reasons, amongst many others, as to why we don't follow England and why we don't support them because, you know, Trent Alexander under Arnold, as we, we started the conversation on, is is performing X in a position that England could probably do with, but, you know, damn well he'll just go with a very, very safety first approach and you know, Declan Rice and Henderson will be in there as a security blanket, probably sat in front of a back four where Trent will be told you're the right back and no doubt he will venture because that's what he's been so used to. And he'll he'll roam a field and a chance will come down that side of the pitch and he'll be labelled as a liability and therefore he will be dropped from the squad again. So it's 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 the same circle. It's the same story. Even you know, people will get themselves excited because they're playing most of the Macedonia' They'll probably get you know a couple of four nil wins, and all of a sudden England they're going to win the World Cup again. And we all see how that one panned out the last few years. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it goes by years. I mean, there is all the Scouts, not English stuff. There is all the sort of anti establishment stuff. There's a lot of things. Um, you know, a lot of reasons not, not to support the England football side. I mean, for me, um, one of the things it goes back to in a way, there's lots, lots of things. One of them is uh, John Barnes getting booed every time he played at Wembley for England by his own fans. I mean, what was that all about? Um, that was just, just typical of the England fans and how, you know, they had one of the best footballers in the world playing for them. At home in, you know, on the Wembley home ground. And what did he do? They booed him, which is just, you just don't do it. I mean, even if, even if you didn't rate him, and I don't know why you wouldn't, but even if you didn't rate him, you wouldn't boo him, but that's what they did. And then, um, things you've just mentioned go back to when Terry Venables was in charge of England and Robbie Fowler was one of the best strikers in the world. In my opinion, I know I'm biased, but he hardly got a look in. Um, you know, it, it was, and, and this was, this was the case all along. Liverpool players always seeming to be on the fringes despite being such good players because, you know, it was that sort of, your face doesn't fit, you know, you're from Liverpool. It it just felt that way. Um, which got to the point where I don't know about you, but I quite often laugh at England now. If England are on, I've got to watch him. I'm just sort of sitting there and laughing because in the end, you know, when the inevitable happens, you just end up laughing because I think there's just the arrogance about England as well, which doesn't, you know, I don't feel comfortable supporting a side that's, that can be so arrogant, especially when it's unearned arrogance. Um, the thing about as well about England using Trent that way, I've not got the exact quotes in front of me, but I read stuff from Kanate talking about this new uh, way that Trent's playing. And obviously, if you've got decent centre backs and although the, neither of them have had their best season, I would say we've got two decent centre backs there, then yeah, um, you, you've maybe got the ability to let Trent have that bit of freedom, but. God, the idea of sort of, of Trent getting forward and then sort of relying on Harry Maguire to do a bit more work, it's it's comedy. It's comedy in the making, isn't it, that? Oh. <laughs> um it might
3: be worth watching England just for that alone. <laughs> um you know, Harry Maguire and Tyrone Mings as you're sweeping center of I mean that's not something you associate with either of them.
0: And it'd still um, be Trent's fault did... if they concede.
3: Oh yeah. And uh, he's brought Lewis Duncan, and Lewis Duncan is a is a decent You know, football, a decent, decent, you've got to be a decent footballer to be a centre half in the Premier League, really, or most have to be anyway. Um, You know, and Brighton are doing well, and he's probably one of the main reasons amongst other players who were there who probably I wouldn't say no to in Armour Field, but he doesn't strike it as a lad who's going to sweep across the field. And, you know, Ibu Kanate is is a sensation, and it just just brings me back to, to the Leicester game when he, when he, you put Jamie Vardy in his back pocket, you know, the, yeah. the the way he just smoothly smoothly, effortlessly sweeped across, slid across the field, ticked the ball off him and then shrugged him aside and, and off he went on his way. Yeah, you don't, you're don't. you not going to see that from Tidal Mings or Harry Maguire. You're going to see some clumsy attempt and probably end up in a rugby tackle. But it'll be Trent's fault because he's probably trying to do something for footballing reasons. And these lads can't really play football, and it'll be their fault. It'll be Trent's fault that they can't play football, and he's had to, you know, make a, a stupid intervention because how dare Trent try and, you know, be be open and sort of actively trying to make England the better team when you've got those clans next to him? It's just, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. Whether it's just a, it might be worth a watch because there's not going to be much else. Between, you know, the months of June and July until, until pre season starts, but if, if there's something
0: else to do, like maybe cut the grass or something like that, I might just do that instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's gonna be something else to do, isn't there? Definitely. Um but I mean as opposed to the the chance the you know, the chance for a laugh, the best place for laughs for us most most of the time when we do this show, if not sort of on a on a regular basis anyway, is is those lads across the park. And um they've given us plenty to laugh about this season, but I've got a feeling Everton maybe, maybe are going to escape because, um, it's definitely going to go down to the last game of the season. It's definitely going to be, um, you know, frightening for them. It's going to be one of those things where when, if you're watching it on TV, because it's bound to be the game, you know, this, this will be the focus on the last games of the season on Sky, at least, probably the same around the world. Um, there's three teams that that can go down into the two places that are there to go down in. Um, only one of the three can escape. Everton, Leicester, Leeds. Everton are in the best position of all. They're two points ahead of the others. Um, a draw could almost be enough for them, but a win guarantees it. Um, really, what? what Everton, if they, if they, even if they lose, um, the other two sides pretty much need to win. Well, they do need to win. So. It looks like they've managed to save themselves again, doesn't it? But um, I just don't feel like it can keep going on this. And, you know, there doesn't even seem to be as well. You know, last season there was all this sort of excitement as if, you know, they had something to celebrate with staying up. I don't even feel like they've got that same thing in them this year about fighting for survival. The fans are kind of getting fed up of it now, too. I think if if you'd asked any
3: Evertonian before the Brighton game, he said they were dead and buried. Mm hmm. And out of nowhere, completely against the form book, they pulled out that Brighton victory, five one, wasn't it? And they were like, "That's probably enough. Like that that win alone is probably enough because, you know, the the form book suggests and the fixture guide ahead that Leeds and Leicester had a little bit more of a tougher running than than Everton did, and you know, they they might have picked up a couple of draws along the way." But obviously, a couple of draws gives you less points than one win, and it might just be a case that that one win will just be enough for Everton. Like, there's a there's a situation at the weekend where Everton lose to Bournemouth and Leeds and Leicester just pick up another draw. You know, and if you put that of what results that have gone by, you know, Leeds drew at home to Newcastle, Leicester picked up a, a point away at Newcastle. Um, ironically, the team that we were chasing.
4: These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout.
3: Added that to the to two games that they've got at the end of the season, Leeds are home to Spurs, Leicester are home to West Ham. Yeah, if they just do that, you know, like two points from, from three games where Everton have picked up three from the three games, it could just be enough to save them. Um, there, there always seems to be three teams worse off, but as you've probably seen in Southampton are the absolute glorious case of it, if you keep flirting with that trapdoor, eventually it'll pull you in. Um, it happens at Burnley. You know, like Burnley, OK, did bounce back this season with a, a, a sort of a change in the Burnley way to, to get back up. We'll see how that prevails in the coming season. And been Vincent company, are they going to be sort of a, a Man City Aldi version where, you know, they're not they're not quite the, the brand that, you know, you, you see on the packet, but, you know, the, they're sort of in there somehow because you've got the Man City connection and they'll be interested in how they play football next year. And my fear is, you know, Sheffield United are automatically coming up and out of the playoffs. It's going to be Coventry or Luton with all due respect to either one of them clubs that come up, I don't think that they're prepared for the Premier League. You sort of fear that whoever it is out of the playoffs will come up and probably go back down with a really low total um, because they've spent so long in the lower leagues that they're not really built enough to get into the Premier League. You know, you, you sort of think of teams maybe like middle spread where well, not so long ago they were in the in the top flight, but they've got a sort of established stadium, a big fan base. They've probably got a few players who've got Premier League experience and have dropped down a level who can maybe just get you by um in, in the in the Premier League. But I fear that, you know, Sheffield United and whoever comes out the playoffs will probably end up going straight back down. And if Everton do escape the trap door this season, that only leaves one space next season for them to go and, you know, if they do survive and would they go next year i i don't know if they do or they don't well, that's all to be decided let's see how they get on this sunday but i can see a situation where Everton lose and they survive because less than Leeds have just left it a little bit too late
0: yeah and the car you know it's sort of um they've, they've got the old manager there haven't they um big sam doing his best to help Leeds go down by the sounds of it um He's not been as good as he said he was. You know, he said he was as good as Klopp or Pet, but he's not looked that way with his results since he went there. Um, it's not been, I don't know. It seems strange as well. You know, what? the other thing as well is you're talking about Coventry. I don't know the current situation, but they've struggled, haven't they? To even have a ground. Um, I don't know if they've actually got to a point now where they actually own the ground yet or, you know, they've got a good deal on keeping hold of it. Um, but they seem to be struggling to keep hold of the ground because of issues that went on with over the ownership of it and you know financial issues that they had um They were playing miles away from home and everything, which you know th- that's that's the other aspect to like i mean i I can remember Coventry playing in the in the top flight like years and years ago, like sort of always being there once you go down it's so difficult um it causes so many problems and then this week as well with everton, there's a lot of this talk about um some money coming in, maybe Ma'Shiri sort of selling a bit of the club to someone but I don't know what he's going to get, and it seems to be, according to the, the reports, that it, it's reliance on them staying, you know, and surviving, and they want the money, if anything else, um, so they can get this stadium finished, which, you know, as good as the stadium's looking, there's still a lot of way to go to actually have it to one that they can play in, and it just feels like it's just so precarious for them, and, you know... I don't know. Are we going to be, are we ever going to see football in that stadium? It still seems like it's on a nice edge. I do think they'll survive, but they've really messed themselves up to get into this, into this place, to get to this position. Um, you know, to spend so much money on players that were just literally not good enough for them to not recognize that was going on early enough to, to put, um, to put a stop to it. I mean, you know, FSG got a lot of stick and often rightly so, but for, for, for as bad as they are, FSG are not running Liverpool the way Everton are running. If Everton are been run, if you want to compare Everton, how Everton are run with anything to do with Liverpool, they're more like being run by Hicks and Gillette.
3: Yeah, I think without knowing too much about this investment, there's a lot of question marks from Evertonians who, who have spoke to about you know the the validity of the the group coming in. Um, what reasons are they in it for? Are they in it for, you know, a, a quick buck, as the American say, would go because it's an American investments sort of thing that are coming in, and are they just, as you say, they, they must stay in the Premier League because that's where the cash is, and if they go down, well, they're not interested, um, because they know if they stay in the Premier League, they get the TV money, they get the, you know, the the sort of subscription to be in the in the Premier League and whatever. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the glory that it can be it can be banded around as, you know, this is our team. And I think without again knowing too much about this sort of investment firm, I think they've got a few other teams in and around the world, maybe a couple in Europe as well. Um but, you know, my my question would be maybe it's the Usmanov sort of ownership of Everton because obviously his his connections to Russia and the ongoing situation with Ukraine that his assets and money was sort of frozen and he weren't allowed to obviously sort of have any involvement in in Everton anymore than in the UK sort of what he was doing. So could it be that maybe his his percentage of Everton or a slice of his percentage is, is being sold off because, you know, it's it's not ethically correct in what he's connected to and what's going on. Uh, maybe that is something I don't know. I'd have to, you know, read into it and, and look into things more. But it, it does seem a bit fishy that they want them to stay in the Premier League. And if they don't, well, we're not really interested in you anymore because we're going to take our ball elsewhere and look for someone who's got more cash for us to milk. And if they've actually got anything about them, you'd probably know that Everton. It's not a club that you can milk cash out of because there's not a lot of cash there. Like it, as you said, it, it's tied up. Will that stadium ever get finished? Who knows. If they go down, I do fear that. And this isn't like with with a sort of laughing face on. I do fear that they'll be down for a while. Like yeah. they're not going to come straight back because of the way they ran the the money that's invested in the players. I can imagine there's a there's a healthy wage budget there in terms of what they've got and have they foreseen that potentially they could go down and, and put clauses in contracts? Who knows? Because they've they've been a shambles the way they've run. And if it's a case that, you know, they're taking players down on a on hundred grand plus a week and there's no clause in their contract to say that you have to take a, a salary cut, then then what happens? Well, you sell that player of quality for a cut price fee or you literally cannot afford to pay his wages and, and you're just going around in a vicious circle and I, I do, I do fear that if if they do go down, it'll be a, a situation similar to the likes of Sunderland. Maybe not a double relegation within two years, but one that Sunderland were a huge club who were awfully run. You know the the Netflix documentaries there for all to see in terms of how bad things were run. It was like a circus basically, and they went down. and it, It's taken them a while, and obviously they they got close. I think they got into the playoffs this season, but. There's a lad who I with who is a Sunderland fan, and he said "Like the worst thing that could happen to us would be to go up, and he was glad he went out to the playoffs at the mm. stage that they did because he said, we are not prepared, and we've not got the the right sort of ownership to take us to the Premier League and do it properly because the money will just ruin us. So, yeah, I, I, do, I do fear if they went, it would be for a while, but... You know the the basis we think is if if they went, it'd be a lovely day anyway because we've got not to celebrate this year. Yeah,
0: yeah, it'd be like it, like tables turn. Like normally they're a bit too busy watching us and trying to celebrate our misfortune to actually notice what's going on for themselves. But well, that could be us, especially especially this season. I wonder if like in a couple of years' time, like the, the nearest we'll have to a derby it could be like we're playing Wrexham or something in the Premier League. Who knows? Um, never, you know, I wouldn't mind that. A lot of history between us and Wrexham, uh, Joey Jones, and all of that. But. um that's something for the future. And you know, there's a couple of American owners that, that aren't too bad as well. Although obviously in a different league to anyone who can own a Premier League club. So before the season is up then, um, I mean, we're both going along with the assumption that it's not going to mean anything this game on Saturday. Um, so last game of the season, is it going to be, um, I mean, what, what kind of team are we going to put out? I mean, there's talk that Darwin thinks he's, um, you know, he's back training. He, th- he thinks he could be fit. He's missed a couple of games. Um, should Bobby get another game do we do we even care is it is it time to let some uh, some young lads out the traps to sort of see what they can play like um i mean personally i want us to win it because at the moment we're on um although we, we didn't win last game we're on quite a, I think it's t- is it 10 now 10 unbeaten because we had two draws before the winning run, just had another draw. Um, so I think that would give us 10 unbeaten. If we can. you know, so let's, let's go into this last game and keep that on. And then in, into next season, we've got, um, you know, we can start next season on an unbeaten run.
3: Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's calls for certain players, maybe to get a look in. Um, you know, I don't, I, whether they'll get starts or not, I don't know. I, you know, James Milner will, will appear at some point.
4: Um,
3: for me, it no, will appear at some point There's
0: if he's going to Brighton, you know, he'll basically get booed, won't he, by their fans? Yeah, and the,
3: there's you know there's, there's a fairy out there that Costa Simicus was visibly emotional on the last game of the season at uh-huh. home, where you know it was that because there's there's players leaving the team that he's emotionally very connected to, or. Was the more reading into that maybe that was Costas' last time, you know, at Anfield and as a Liverpool player? Who knows? Maybe, you know, maybe he gets a run out. Um, you'd, you'd imagine on, on the bulk of it, it'll probably be by and large a, a, a relatively strong team. You might see the odd youngster on the bench, but you know, since the League Cup, I don't think we've really, you know, seen any any of the young lads there. I think what was his uh, name? It was Ben Doak, wasn't it? And yeah. and young Bobby Clark sort of got a little run out for a couple of games but but since then they've sort of faded back into their age group naturally um, as you say I think just a win to see the season out um, the chances are that Manchester United have got a game before we play at the weekend um, against Chelsea tomorrow night as we record this probably may have been played and out out of our hands by the time this is released but you know, they can basically secure Champions League football um, with a point. And, yeah, then then we're just left to play for, for nothing, really. And, you know, maybe that then changes Klopp's thinking. Maybe then he, he gives a sort of a, a mixed-up squad. But, you know, should Fat Frank and the Chelsea boys pull off a miracle and actually beat United, then at least they've got to go to the last game of the season and, and get a point at home to Fulham. Um, you know, I think it all if buts, and maybe's, but if we just get if we just get a win, you know, Southampton are down. there's probably not a nice feeling sort of around that, that part of the world now where they're looking at a season the championship. They've got a lot of young players there that they're gonna get cherry picked off them. You know, there's been a couple linked to us and who knows what the future lies for them. It'd be, you know, one of them games that it could be absolutely anything. We've seen results on the final day of the season where it's like 4-3 or 6-2 or, you know, it could just be a, a 4-4. I'm not saying the likelihood that of that happening is 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 probably slim, but but who knows? And if we go out there and do our business, then, you know, if we are focused on the bottom end of the table, it'd just be nice if your phone is pinging every 15, 20, 25 minutes with a goal going in for us.
0: Yeah, and it'd be hard to see it as well because, um, with all 10 games playing played at the same time, and obviously more than, more often, more than likely, um, the main game is going to be the three teams who can get relegated plus probably City because their last game of the season and all that as champions. So, you know, our game, you know, is is such a nothing game. I think, um, I just don't think you're going to, it's going to be easy to see, you going to get a stream of it even probably won't be the, the highest priority. So, um, you know, if you're not out the game and not many can go, obviously, because it's an away game, then you're probably going to have to rely on maybe a five minute highlight thing on, on match of the day. Um, according to the reports, um, uh, Archor was involved in training or Arthur. We never did, we you know we didn't even get to work out what his name was, did we? How we could say it because he was here. He was here and then we never saw him. But you know, there's, there's even an outside chance he could play. Um, uh, <laughs> very outside chance, I would say though um i could see it being a, a farewell for alex oxley chamberlain as well um you know his last game but we'll see we'll see but you know i think i you um whatever happens i think what i'll be glad to say is sunday um come come the end of the game come the end of the season um you know i'm glad it's over you know goodbye 2022 23 season don't let don't let the door hit your ass on the way out yeah, it's
3: it was a season that started off with so much promise when we think back to the Community Shield it's called now isn't it. Yeah. Um you know 3-1 against City and we all thought yeah we we were maybe a player or two short in the transfer market but that's that's always been the case but you know maybe we've got enough here um as it transpired very quickly we were more than a player or two short and it's just been an ugly, ugly season. There's been very few things to shout about. I think, you know, if we're, we're all honest, probably the highlight was the 7-0 at home to Manchester United. And other than that, you're probably scrabbling around the bottom of the barrel trying to scrape up a couple of other performances and games that probably leave you happy and satisfied with what we've done this season. There's there's signs of promise and optimism. And you know, we spoke about Trent in a new position, you know, You've mentioned Darwin Diaz coming back, um, Gapo being integrated since January and stuff. You know, there's there's optimistic signs there. There's there's shoots of of some promise going into the next season. And I think we're we're all honest with, with ourselves if we make up the mistakes and the shortcomings of the transfer window last year. This year, we, we we are going to leave ourselves short. Let's not all try and kid ourselves here. We're going to be a player or two short because that's just how we are. But if we can get the quality in the middle of the pitch, which we so desperately need, then, you know what, two or three months or whatever it is from now, we'll all be sat here saying, you know what, let's do this, let's go for it all, like let's let's attack all competitions that we're in and, and see where we are come May. Because it, it's it's a bit of a strange feeling to get to to this part of the year and and not really have a, a trophy to compete for because it's been it's been a good ride with Klopp and. That's not to say it's over, but it's been a been a season to forget, really,
0: yeah, definitely um I think we've had we've had worse seasons, definitely like the six one the one that ended with that six one against stoke um the season that was knackered by covid was was a bad one um, I mean we definitely bounced back from that, um maybe not as well as we would have hoped, but I mean let's face it, we wouldn't be crying now if we were in for two trophies before the end of the summer but we're not we're not in for any, but like you say, let's go for it next season um. As for us, I'm sure we'll be back every week because the one thing about this club isn't... Even when there's no football, even when you want to forget about it, there's still something always seems to be going on. I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. and Maybe we can... Um, you know, I was thinking before something you mentioned. Maybe we should even have a podcast where we just think about Bobby Firmino for a bit and really say goodbye to him. But for this week anyway, that's us. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening. Thank you for doing so. And until next time, I'm Jim Boardman. You've also been listening to Jay Reed. That was of Tommies and...